choice but to totally destroy North Korea. Welcome to 2018's first forecast roundtable. Today we'll be discussing the 2017 Global Defense Spending Snapshot. With us is Dan Darling, Asia, Australia, and Pacific Rim and European Senior Analyst, Derek Passaccio, Middle East and Africa and Eurasia Analyst, and Sean McDougall, our North American Analyst. Global defense investment underwent a rebound in 2017 after a leveling off period the previous two years. Worldwide defense spending grew by 3.3% year-on-year from 2016 as economic turnarounds, regional tensions, and geographic flashpoints sparked renewed priorities in military funding. This followed a year in which such investment dropped marginally by less than 1%, after previously dropping by nearly 5% in 2015. The reversal underway is attributable to a variety of factors, including a buoyant global economy, NATO reaction to Russian activity along Europe's periphery, ongoing pacification operations, and low-intensity conflicts in Afghanistan and Africa, lingering territorial disputes and instability across the globe, and China's military modernization. Unsurprisingly, the United States remains far and away the world's largest spender on defense, as its investment represented 42% of the global total for 2017. China followed at 10% of all world expenditures, a growing figure indicative of the nation's economic might and national ambitions. Well behind the two largest defense investor nations are Saudi Arabia, Russia, Japan, the United Kingdom, and India. Each of these nations is undergoing its own capitalization effort involving major defense projects ranging from advanced combat aircraft to aircraft carriers, submarines, and naval destroyers. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to ask each of you the question, in the past year, how has defense spending rebounded in your respective geographic areas of study? All right, Matt. Uh, Asia consistently going upwards. The region has been growing, for the most part, fairly steadily since around 2007 in light of Chinese military expansion. So much of the growth in the region, while buoyed by economic growth, has been underpinned by viewing China from afar and with wariness. So um, it's a reaction to a degree. There's the normal modernization cycles involved in um, replenishing defense budgets, growing them to keep up with procurement. Right. And um, professionalization. But for the most part, it, Asia, Asia Pacific right. um, or Indo Asia, Indo Pacific is a response to China, their modernization cycle and their I- expansionary reach. Okay. The, so China 
Obviously, that's, the, that's driving the driving force. Player. Okay. It's the driving force gotcha. for sure. Um, you have countries like India and Japan doing their own military modernization. But again, right. in light of China, that's the threat that they see that is, and in Japan's case, also North Korea. So right. ballistic missile defense. But for the most part, everything is China-driven right. other than your normal modernization cycles that armies undertake, you know, every 30, 40 years. Right. So um, Now, does China see any of those countries as a threat, like India or, or even China Japan? China sees them as hemming China in. Right. And um, blocking it from its rightful inheritance, which is to be not just a great nation, but a regional um, power, right. the regional power. Right. But... If you look at China on a map in every direction, it's it's blocked by another decent-sized, mid-tier to decent-sized military nation, right. whether it is Russia to the north, um, Japan to the east, right. Taiwan, um, and then to its southern end and its uh, southwestern end, India, right. Vietnam, so the South China Sea is not just a connector for global maritime trade, right. but it is also a, a connector to the Indian Ocean, which China wants to have full, complete access to in order to keep sea lines of communication open, trade open, and um, energy right. imports coming in. Right. So Asia, again, going back to what I was saying, is largely... The market being driven by China and in a reaction to China's actions and growth. Because right. obviously things such as island building right. and land reclamation projects in the South China Sea have caught the attention of everybody. Because there isn't any nation in the South China Sea whose claims are, are there or right. EEZs, Exclusive Economic Zones, abut the South China Sea, that have not been affected right. or run counter to something that Beijing has um, put down as right. a marker. Yeah. And uh, moving from Asia to another region, Europe, um, Europe is recovering. Its military modernization is moving forward right. based um, on, you know, there's been a lot of pressure from the United States for years culminating in the 2016 election. Right. But Europe, after the 2008-2009 economic slowdown, right. had cut everything to a degree that it was skeletal. Yeah. It has no military mass anymore. It has right. some shiny modern aircraft and, and some good frigates and corvettes but and submarines, but by and large... It is not the military power, um, either cohesively or nation by nation, right. that it was during the apex of the Cold War. Well, yeah, actually, I was, I was just reading an article about Germany, and uh, and it was saying that uh, actually the, the, there's no submarines working. The right. last submarine that they actually had that was working right. stopped working like yeah. a little while ago. They have that issue, and they have the new frigates that just were delivered, the right. German Navy will not accept them into service. Right. So Germany is an interesting test case because their 
military budget in the last two years has zoomed upwards. Right. Um, while it is nowhere near 2% of GDP, it, it's the increases in line the last two years and being forecasted by the government right. going forward show market increase in funding, right. but it's a reaction to incredibly porous readiness levels. Right. Germany militarily cannot pull its weight for Europe, and right. a strong, cohesive European foreign policy has to ha be girded by hard power. And right, right now with Brexit, uh, hard power is basically France and some, you know, second tier, so to speak, militaries right. all trying to combine. And, um, you know, you see in the last two years, some or year and a half in light of Trump's election, um, some European reaction, a little overblown in my opinion because right. the U.S. and Europe will are close, will remain close, and right. the U.S. will be the the guarantor of European security for a long time. I was about to, to say that. Let's say, I mean, hypothetically, Russia decides, all right, we're moving into uh, to Eastern Europe, mm -hmm. and Western Europe sitting there saying, okay, well, we don't have the resources to really defend ourselves. Eastern Europe is is the boundary. Mm -hmm. They're they're raising their military spending. They can maybe hold off Russian advance a little bit, but um, they would need Western Europe would need the United States to help them. They would need U.S. forces there to protect them. Well, without question, certainly. I, yeah. I think what are the tripwires? Right. What are really the tripwires? Yeah. Um, is it Article Five of NATO's? Um, you know, original charter, um, right. or is it political will that is going to actually say we are going to defend Article 5? Right. There's a vast gulf. We don't know. Right. The U.S. would ultimately be the one actor that would cause Russia to think hardest before right. breaking that line. It's really, really deterrence. Yeah, they're yeah. not too concerned with Germany and even France. If you're a fan of Forecast Roundtable, please rate us on iTunes. This will help us continue to produce and distribute our podcasts. If the U.S. wasn't there, do you think Russia would be deterred? If the U.S. wasn't there, I, I, I think in that theater, I am not convince that Russia wants a <laughs> land war with anybody. Yeah, yeah. I think they think if we can scoop up piece um, by piece, piece by piece, asymmetrical warfare through, you know, um, ethnic Russians living inside Latvia, is that a fifth column? Right. Um, can Russia claim that a minority within an external border, an right. external country is so discriminated against that it, it it can activate that base and activate itself to go in and under their compatriots policy defend that Russian minority. Right. So those are the questions. And, and right now it's almost Russia is testing reaction times at air right. and sea. Russia has undertaken um, cyber warfare against Estonia. It did right. that back in 2007 or eight. Yeah. Seven. And 
it it's testing reaction and willpower on the other end right to see what are the lines it can what are the buttons it can push what are the lines it can cross right so um, there's a lot of open-ended questions about Europe and how it wants to um, handle Russia and how it would tackle potential conflict with Russia. Right. Obviously, something the Europeans want to avoid at all costs. The U.S. wants to avoid. Everybody wants to avoid, including Vladimir Putin. He's not looking to launch, you know, a nuclear war. Right. But the reality is, is that. He and and the Kremlin, the powers that be within the Kremlin, have felt Europe has crept up to its borders. Right. And it's done that in violation of the spirit, the post-Cold War spirit right. of um, post-Soviet space. Please join us in part two of this series as we continue to discuss the international military markets with Dan, Derek, and Sean.